Hippocrates is said to have said, Let food be thy medicine, and medicine be thy food. But the efforts by some to list our food as medicine leads us to ask, Do they not want our food to be our medicine? Welcome to the award-winning Food Chain Radio Show with your host, Michael Olson. And now, get ready for one hour of What's Eating What Radio. Well, hello out there. You are tuned into the 1321st edition of the Food Chain Radio Show. Or hey, perhaps you're among our friends over there in the Longapo City who are streaming the podcast from the Food Chain page at metrofarm.com. Well, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome aboard. I am Michael Olson, your host for this hour of What's Eating What. Folks, in 1994, those who believed that food should be medicine and that medicine should be food gathered in Washington, D.C. to fight back an effort by the pharmaceutical industry to register or list the food supplements. Their effort resulted in the Dietary Supplement and Education Act, or DSHEA, which was signed into law by President Bill Clinton. What DSHEA did, in essence, was to provide the legal foundation for what could be said to be about fu- what could be said the function is of food supplements uh, f- f- that are presented as medicine. Now, one could claim a function for a food supplement, but only if that function was proven by a clinical trial. And that is what distinguishes a, a, a pharmaceutical drug, is that it has been proved. Now, in setting up this legal framework, Deshea split the world of medicine in two, with one medicine being pharmaceutical drugs and the other medicine being food supplements. Today, the world's pharmaceutical drug industry brings in $4.405 billion. And the that's a year. And the food supplement industry brings in $102 billion a year. Given so much money, one would naturally expect a turf war or two to break out between pharmaceutical and supplement industries. One such turf battle took place back in 2013 when Democrat Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois tried to pass legislation to register and restrict food supplements. His legislation failed. Then in 2018, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation led an effort to establish international norms for nutrient dosage recommendations. Their effort failed. Today, it's déjà vu all over again, as Senator Dick Durbin is back pushing legislation to once again try to register food supplements. These efforts by Senator Durbin, Bill and Melinda Gates, and the pharmaceutical industry lead us to ask, do they not want our food to be our medicine here to help us follow the money, we have Gretchen Dubow, who is Executive and Legal Director for the Alliance for Natural Health, USA. Gretchen, welcome to the food chain. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yes, um, look forward to a great conversation about food supplements. And there's so many of us take food. How many of us take food supplements, do you know? It's a majority of Americans. I can't remember the percentage offhand. They, you know, do the poll every couple of years, but it, it's a majority. And throughout COVID, it increased substantially. It's, it's almost everyone takes at least, you know, multivitamin or some magnesium or, of course, vitamin D. 
And that would be because we suspect we're not getting sufficient nutrient from the foods that we eat, correct? Well, absolutely. You'd have to eat eight oranges today <laughs> to get the amount of vitamin C that you would get from an orange that, you know, you would have eaten in 1950. The orange that my grandmother would have eaten, you know, eight times. She would have gotten eight times vitamin C. Because so we have to supplement, yeah. bottom line. You know, the, the, it's just the food is just nutrient poor. And that's why we have to take care of ourselves. Now, you're an attorney and uh, the legal uh, supervisor for the Alliance. So I'd like to ask you a tough legal question. What is natural health? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, a great question. I... I believe that natural health is dialing into ourselves internally and checking in to see what we need to maintain balance. What does the body need to maintain balance? But that also includes the, the mind and the spirit too. So when we're in homeostasis and the body, you know, the individual wants to be in homeostasis. The body's always trying to heal itself. And in fact, nothing can really heal the body but the self, right? I mean, these other things that supplements or even drugs or surgeries, these things help the body to help itself. So, uh, but in my mind, natural health is going to nature first because we are part of nature. When you, when you look outside, nature knows what to do. It remains in balance. You don't have elephants with diabetes, <laughs> you know? So I, I, I look to nature and what would nature do? And, um, you know, more specifically as it relates to my work with A&H, that tends to fall prominently within the body and nutrients that we want to include healthy diets as well as movement and other pieces, but to kind of maintain that homeostasis. Well, that makes a lot of sense to me. If, but if that is the case, what would you say unnatural health is? Well, that's, I think a lot of things would be unnatural health, but the core would be anything that is not right with you internally you know if you if if your body is telling you no that it, then it's it's not for you but um you know these things can obviously be things like drugs um a lot of the chemicals and pollutants in the environment these are the things that make us sick those are the material things i think but also stress and then you can talk about you know negative mindset and things like that but i i would say anything that pulls the body out of a natural homeostasis is unnatural good and then uh a quick follow-up what is the uh, who is the, who is the, in the alliance for natural health who are your uh, your uh the people who are involved with the, your alliance well we're a nonprofit, politically active organization we represent the entire natural health community so that is largely um, individuals as well as, you know, patients and those that are particularly interested in natural health options, but also medical um, practitioners, naturopaths, chiropractors, nutritionists. We have probably 5,000 medical doctors that practice integrative medicine. Um, there's about a million members, but we also work with, you know, natural um, supplement companies and other companies that are in this space. We're not a trade group. Okay. So we really represent access to health freedom for the individual, but that incorporates so many different pieces. And it's everything from the supplements we're talking about today to avoiding GMOs and chemicals in the environment and homeopathy, and, and we could go on and on and on. But we, we mainly lobby Congress um, to really create positive policies so that we can maintain access. 
Okay, now I'm going to really get you into trouble and ask, who is in the Alliance for Unnatural Health? <laughs> uh, you have some great questions this morning. Unnatural health would be, I mean, my go-to is going to be big pharma, but you can't you know, forget big chemical companies and big ag as well. You have these major corporations that really run our government and, and many pieces in society. They're, we'll talk about big pharma for a minute. They're working on an international level to create harmonization um, to, uh, and this relates to the supplement piece, okay, because pharmaceutical companies, they also have supplement companies within them. Right. They sell supplements too, but these are things like Centrum. They're, they're low doses. They're not really, they're, a lot of them are chemical or new to nature ingredients. They're not natural. They're not doses that are necessary for meaningful um, action. And they also exclude a lot of really great ingredients and combinations of ingredients. But what I want to say is they love the fact that people want to buy supplements. People think it's great. So let's, well, let's dial into that and market is kind of their approach. But let's, you know, let's exclude the competition. They want to get rid of all of the good supplements that are useful. They want to continue to sell the crap supplements and they want to harmonize across countries, across the ocean. So they, you know, we're creating policies so that there's very low doses um, in all of these different countries. So they can make basically it's one-size-fits-all supplements the same way they make one-size-fits-all drugs. So they want to either sell the crap supplements or, you know, when that doesn't really help, they want to sell the drugs. Right. So that's kind of the, the play there. It, it appears as though they are trying to corral the supplement industry so as to better control it. Would that be a fair assessment? Yes, they're basically trying to create the same process for supplements that exist for drugs, the drug approval process, they want to apply that to supplements. But because supplements, for the most part, these are new to nature, again, they can't receive the same kind of patent protection that drugs receive, and they don't have market exclusivity. So they're trying to apply this hundreds of millions of dollars, even billions of dollars process to something like vitamin D, which they know will drive all of the competition out of the market because they can't pay to play. So then they, again, they get that, they want that corner on the market and they want to sell their centrum okay. of the world. So there we go. Now, I noticed that there are some names that pop up uh, in this discussion repeatedly. Let's start with the Food and Drug Administration. What control does the Food and Drug Administration have over supplements? They have a lot of control over supplements. There is a terrible rumor out there that supplements are unregulated, and that is not true. You'll hear it parroted in the media. Well, supplements are not, they're not uh, um, studied by the FDA. Well, neither are drugs. The FDA doesn't study anything. They don't study foods, drugs, or supplements. But supplements do have good manufacturing practices that they're required to comply with. They are supposed to be, the manufacturing facilities are supposed to be inspected by the FDA on a normal, ongoing basis. And they have a lot of different requirements, also through Deshaies, in terms of the types of claims that they can make. They're permitted, for example, to make structure function claims about the ability of a supplement to affect the structure or function of the body. There's, there's a lot of different pieces. And the FDA has complete um, authority over regulating those supplements. Ah, 
then uh, I was just curious as to why it is said that they don't, but you just described why. The other thing, the the name that really caught my attention when I saw a press release float by, it may have been your press release, but it was a, it was about uh, Senator Dick Durbin. And I thought, oh, that name is familiar. And I went back in my, my food chain files, and sure enough, he was uh, back there in 2013 raising havoc, uh, trying to do the same kind of corralling of supplements that he's trying to do today. So who is this guy, and why does he have it in for the supplement industry? So Durbin, his first um, introduction of his mandatory product listing legislation, um, that was introduced in 2011. Um, He tried to attach it to a must-pass bill like 48 hours before the vote. I think that was 2013, and we beat him back. But he's been working on this since 2011. And um, he, I think his story is that he had a friend, a close friend who had a negative experience through supplements. That, that's his story in terms of his crusade. But I, it's important to understand that when he introduced his bill in 2011, Within a couple of months, the FDA also introduced their initial guidance regarding new supplements that came into the market after 1994. You mentioned the Shea passed in 1994. New supplements that come into the market after 1994 or any supplement that's modified pretty much in any way, even if it was sold before 1994, is required to go through uh, a notification. Basically, Deshay says they have to notify the FDA. Well, well, can can you hold that, that thought? We're going to mm-hmm. take a quick break, and when we come back, sure. we're going to continue the story of Dick Durbin and the supplement industry and with Gretchen Dubow, who is executive and legal director for the Alliance for Natural Health USA. And you are with us, too. Let's go back for more of What's Eating What on the Food Chain with Michael Olson. Well, it has been said, some said it was Hippocrates himself that said, let food be thy medicine. And uh, there are some who appear, they're not so certain about whether we should allow food to be our medicine um, without their controlling it, which is the story we have on the table today with Gretchen Debeau, who is uh, with Alliance for Natural Health. It appears as though Dick Durbin uh, is once again trying to rein in or corral the supplement industry. Uh, and we, yeah, he said the reason is that uh, he had a friend that was hurt by the supplements. But um, I'm sure a lot of people got hurt by drugs and nobody seems to be trying to rein them in. So what is the real story, Gretchen? Well, uh, I think it's important to understand that Durbin is working with the FDA in a parallel process. So while Durbin introduced his legislation in 2011, the FDA also introduced a guidance document that basically requires supplements that came into the market after 1994 to go through something very similar to a new drug approval process, which supplements, again, can't really pay to play. It's, It's an inapplicable model. Um, and will result in the elimination of many supplements from the market. But Durbin's legislation creates a listing requirement, and the initial versions also required a review of every ingredient and determination whether or not they were harmful, and warning labels, if so. 
So the, and it's kind of the enabling piece to what FDA is doing because FDA needs a little bit more legislative authority, and that's what Durbin's is, approach is trying to do, um, particularly in the current version. So, but the two have been working since 2011 to finalize these processes, and both are very close. Um, wow. In terms of his real motivation, I can't tell you. I, 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 my, I mean, in my line of business, it's it. You know, it can come down to his um, campaign contributions and working more closely with other interests that financially want to see, you know, competition supplements disappear because they compete with pharmaceutical drugs. But I can't I can't tell you with certainty, you know, what his motivation Mm -hmm. is. Money, money, money certainly wouldn't be a motivation in this factor no doubt about it so another interesting party bill and melinda gates what are they doing here well they i in the last few years have also been looking at restricting dosages so this is something we've seen in europe since the early 1990s as a matter of fact the the framework was laid in the early 90s the the eu and usa were sort of you know the powers that be were working together they failed in the U.S. because we came out with Deshay, but in the EU, they were successful. They created this framework to start limiting both the claims that could be made, statements about dietary supplements, but also dosages, limiting, they would say high dose, but really just therapeutic dosages. And, and so if you look today, fast forward to 2022, you won't find more than 1,000 units of vitamin D in, in pretty much any European country. And, and they're continuing to do it. Sweden is limiting magnesium. There are, all of these different countries are doing this. Now, Bill and Melinda Gates were working on this as well as even here in the U.S., the Institute of Medicine, now the National Academy of Sciences, has created recommended upper limits. So they're trying to put this in place, but the authority is missing. So that's what Durbin is working on, too. And that has a lot to do with this. Um, His legislation will result in creating that framework and giving the FDA additional authority to eliminate some of these higher dose supplements. It takes time. It won't happen overnight. But, um, you know, as we can see, Europe's just seeing today what started in the 90s. But once in place, this is a very, very dangerous precedent. So uh, a lot of people take vitamins, as you mentioned, uh, and, you know, the big pharmaceutical companies put out vitamins as well, but they don't don't seem to go for the therapeutic doses of vitamins, which is to say some people believe that if you have a, an issue uh, that could be addressed with food, you take the essential nutrient out of that food that has an impact and use it in high doses. And that's how you really get good results. Now, why don't they want you to have therapeutic doses of food supplements? What reason well, What reason I, do they give? Well, they talk about the dangers. For example, in Europe, there is, uh, I think it was a Sweden just banned magnesium above 200 units. But what they did was they looked at all of the different versions of magnesium, and they saw that magnesium oxide in large doses could lead to loose stools. So they applied a lower dose limit on magnesium to all versions, including, for example, magnesium glycinate, which does not have that effect. So they look at the most vulnerable populations. It's it's the same, for example, as saying that they're going to ban bread for everyone because there are some celiacs out there, right? They're looking at the vulnerable, most sensitive populations and also 
the most, uh, the version of a particular ingredient has the most likelihood to cause some side effects. And they come up with these ridiculously low um, recommendations in terms of limits. So nobody in Sweden will, will now have loose stool. <laughs> right. But magnesium, if you think about its use for heart health and so many other important functions in the body, I mean, given, given the choice. You know, I mean, I, I know individuals that use very high doses of magnesium to successfully control atrial fibrillation. You know, I, I use it to help me sleep at night. I mean, it's so helpful for so many things. So, and of course, I take magnesium glycinate. I don't take magnesium oxide, but I don't have those problems, right? I mean, I think it comes down to health freedom, and you have to respect an individual's right to make decisions mm -hmm. for themselves. And you have to give them access to the information, too. Censorship is a whole separate issue. You know, a quick sidebar question with respect to Bill Gates and his impossible burger. I've stuck with this conundrum. I cannot figure out why a vegan or vegetarian would want to eat a plant patty that pretends to be um, meat that they don't want to eat. My guess is that they're doing that to market to people that are on the fence and that they don't want to become vegan or vegetarian because they like their meat too much. So they're saying, well, we'll create something that looks really similar so you don't feel like you're missing anything. That's my guess. I, I don't really know. I think a bleeding burger is really uh, just wrong. It's weird. Um, and there are a lot of problems, obviously, with the Impossible Burger. It's okay. very unhealthy. Well, I just brought that up because Bill Gates seems to be in, involved in this corralling of supplements. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you just, try to, you just try to follow the money through the maze of all of this, this uh, effort to, to manage and control what we eat. Food supplements, in essence, are food, are they not? Food supplements really are. So um, curcumin, and then sometimes you have like vitamin C, you might have ascorbic acid or concentrated nutrients that are pulled. I mean, it's not like a dehydrated orange, but these are nutrients that come from food. I think it's also important to remember that these vitamins and minerals have been used for decades and decades safely. There are no dead bodies anywhere. There are no big stories about any harm. You kind of have some here and there sometimes when illegal um, you know, companies illegally spike a supplement with an ingredient that is not a food, you know, not related to a food supplement. Um, and those are bad actors. You have bad actors in every industry. Supplement industry is no exception. Um, but yeah, these are very, very safe mm -hmm. ingredients. Well, what about food supplements from foreign lands? And I think specifically of China, uh, having seen how loose their controls are, are over the food manufacturing processes. Um, does China have any kind of, of management of its uh, supplement industry? And when those supplements are shipped over here, uh, do we have any way of, of judging their efficacy and safety? Well, China supplies raw ingredients for a lot of supplement companies that do sell products in the U.S., to my knowledge, the biggest concern with Chinese ingredients, well, number one is safety, whether or not a lot of them can be tainted with heavy metals because the air quality over there is so poor. Um, 
you know, environmentally they, they're suffering. So you can have some heavy metals and things like that in, in ingredients. And then the other issue is whether or not it is the identity is, is correct, whether it's they're giving you what you're the, the particular ingredient that you ordered. But that's why it's important to buy from a reputable supplement company here. And also, you know, think about, again, I mentioned these good manufacturing practices. Supplement companies have to make sure the identity is accurate. They're supposed to comply with all of these rules and regulations from the FDA. But good companies, they'll test for all of these things, and they won't provide a bad product. And a good company, for the most part, is going to be one that's selling, like, at a natural grocer's or at Sprouts. Whole Foods, unfortunately, has just lost a majority of their supplements since Amazon purchased them. But they still have, you know, they're going to carry better brands, too. Um, so, you know, you you hope for the best um, if you go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's going to be less certain because, again, there there can be bad actors in every um, industry. But you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And, right. you, you know, you can't. Um, lump them all in together because they're just they're very different types of companies out there. Yeah, I'm Mike Lawson's second law of the food chain: the farther you go from the source of your food, the less control you have over your food. And supplements from China, I think, would be a good example of that. Uh, but mm-hmm. why did why did um, why did Whole Foods lose its supplements when it was purchased by Amazon? Amazon has a different business model, right? I think Mackie back in the day was putting products out that people needed and wanted access to. Amazon is looking at the best sellers. I think they got rid of at least 50 to maybe 75% of their supplements. They kept only the most um, popular supplements okay. that were purchased, right? Because it's, it's just an economic-based model. Sure. It's a different approach. Okay, fair enough. Well, let's go back to the, the a brief history, a thumbnail history of the struggle over corralling the supplement industry. And uh, it's been going on essentially forever, correct? As long as I can remember, absolutely. And um, the reason, of course, I think is control. If, if uh, we can get that supplement industry, if you can get supplements, which are just food, and are regulated as food, if you can get them into a, a, a much tighter corral than that, than that exists for food, then you can affect more control over the supplement industry. Now, is that a fair assessment? What, what I'm seeing is just, it's a, right, control is absolutely what's going on, but I think it's control of the market because it's, again, economically beneficial for pharmaceutical companies to, they want to control the entirety of the market. They want to use their approach to sell either these low-dose supplements that don't do a whole lot or the drugs. They don't want any competition. If you and I are out there taking our high-dose quercetin to avoid getting you know, COVID and doing some of these different things that reasonable people of intelligence can figure out how to do, then we're not taking their products. We're not buying their drugs. We're not giving them our dollars. So they, they, they want our hard-earned dollars. Yeah. And if you're going to figure out anything in life, following the dollars is probably a good place to start. So we're back in Washington, D.C. with Senator Dick Durbin. Um, and he is, appears to have taken his original bill that had two elements. One was to force 
listing of all supplements. And then the second part was restrict dosage, correct? No. Um, oh. It was that there were, the, the first part was to qu- require mandatory listing of all ingredients listed on any label of any dietary ingredient and for the companies to provide a lot of other information too. And then, yeah, the second piece was then for the National Academy of Sciences, what was then the Institute of Medicine, to review all of those ingredients and make a determination whether or not they could pose harm, and if so, to require basically a black box warning on Mm -hmm. supplements. And um, in your press release, you talked about how Durbin is going to try to slip this into another bill, uh, last minute kind of thing, so that people won't have any chance to really do anything about it. Well, what he, so this has already transpired. It's been included in the Senate bill. It's a reauthorization bill for drug user fees. Basically, pharmaceutical companies provide about 60%, between 40 and 60% of the FDA's operating budget. And this is reauthorized every five years. It's a must-pass bill. It will pass without question by the end of September. And this um, Durban language has been included in the Senate version, along with additional language that gives the FDA more authority to remove things like CBD oil from the market. Um, and it's not included in the House version, which already passed out of the House. So, so we're down to the wire. This language needs to be pulled from the Senate version before it passes, or there'll be a committee between the House and Senate that will come up with the final version that may or may not have this language. So it's, it's absolutely down to the wire. So for all of those who supplement and for all of those who would like to supplement and for all of those who would like to do what they can to maintain a healthy body, it's time to wake up and smell the roses, as it were, because they, Dick Durbin, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, the pharmaceutical industry, are all aligned uh, behind corralling supplements and making them relatively useless, so it would seem, uh, so that we would be forced to use pharmaceutical drugs, which are much more uh, expensive and some would say much more deleterious to the overall health of the body. Uh, and so everything is aligned against uh, natural healthy way of living. Wow. That looks like pretty mean stuff. So that's uh, where we're going to go. How do we fight this? When we come back, this is the Food Chain Radio Program, number 1321, by the way, uh, if you're looking at on the Food Chain um, uh, website. Michael Olson with Gretchen Dubow, who is the Executive and Legal Director for the Alliance for Natural Health USA, and you. Stay tuned. So much to say, so little time to say it, on The Food Chain with Michael Olson. So, ladies and gentlemen, the big boys have, and the billionaires, uh, and the politicians, and uh, are poised to strike and poised to strike down um, one of the great freedoms that we have to supplement our food with food supplements. And uh, if they do win, they will constrict um, the supplements that we may take to what amounts to um, 
really weak, uh, limited effectiveness, and so on. So what can we do, Gretchen DeBow, to fight? Well, you can start by going to savesupplements.com. That's S-A-V-E, savesupplements.com. And there is an action alert. This is something that uh, my organization, the Alliance for Natural Health USA, created. And uh, it allows people to send messages directly to their members of Congress in opposition to the mandatory product listing uh, legislation, or the rider, rather, in um, this user fee bill. I think that's a good first step. You can also subscribe and check out our newsletter on anh-usa.org. And then we'll keep you up to date. We'll send out articles weekly, letting people know what's going on and giving them opportunities to call their members of Congress and, and other things like that. Um, one of our members just wrote a letter to the editor, and it was published in a newspaper in Pennsylvania. So, I mean, it's, it's really about being educated, telling your friends and family and neighbors to get involved. These action alerts are important, but also calling your members this letter to the editor. I mean, it's really just about educating other people. We have to basically push back. That's why DSHA passed in 1994. That is why we are not where the EU is today in terms of their restrictions on supplements, because so many people got involved. It was a huge public um, pushback, and that's what's called for again today. Now, it seems like your opposition, Bill Gates, the pharmaceutical industry, uh, and whatnot, Dick Durbin, of course, it seems like they're conducting a stealth campaign of doing nothing and saying nothing, because I haven't heard anything about this or seen anything about it until your press release came out. And I watched pretty Clark, you know, watch the news very carefully. So they're just shutting up and hiding in the closet, right? Well, they're not making a huge public display about this. I mean, the quieter that it can pass, the better for them because they don't really have a defense. They don't have a reason. Like I said, there are no dead bodies. Supplements are not really harming people, and there's really no need for this effort. They, It's put on the spot. They, they can't really defend it. So I think they want it, like I said, just to kind of pass quietly without people really knowing what's going on until it's too late, until they go to the store and they're like, why can't I find my CBD oil? which is a whole separate issue. There's a lot of different supplements that are targeted under different processes, you know, CBD being one of them. Wow, I didn't know that either. I didn't even know if the CBD people know that or the cannabis people. Oh, right? they do. Oh, they do? Yes, they've been fighting it for two years. Yes, it's a huge, huge issue. Hmm. You know, this reminds me of when I ran for my second term as student body president at a college. We didn't tell anybody that, that we're going to have an election, and it worked just fine that way. <laughs> we had the vote, and those who knew we were running for something voted for us, and those that didn't know didn't vote for us. Um, and that's when I learned how to be a politician. Um, so mm. that appears to be the case now. How does this fit in with what you see with the rest of alternative or, or uh, natural health? It seems like um, it's a battlefield all the way up and down the nat- the health food chain, is it not? Oh, it absolutely is. This is this is really just another example. We're talking about supplements, but it's happening with regards to homeopathy. It's happening with regards to individualized compounded medications like bioidentical, you know, natural hormones. 
Um, these are alternatives to pharmaceutical hormone replacement. It's, it's happening across the board. High-dose um, vitamin IVs, access to those through compounding pharmacies. It's, it's really all of the different tools that we use to stay healthy. And then, of course, you know, we can separately talk about what's happening in the environment and the chemicals that are poisoning us and how those chemical companies are controlling the government. You, know, you have, on the one hand, all of these things in the environment that are making us sick, and then and the government sitting idly by and taking their kickbacks. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, you have them actively trying to restrict the things that we need to protect ourselves from these assaults. So uh, it's, it's pretty dire. Well, looking at the numbers um, in the health or the food supplement industry versus the pharmaceutical companies, it looks like the pharmaceutical companies are at least four times larger in terms of dollar value than the food supplement industry. Now, how does the food supplement industry go up against all that money? It's a challenge. I, I think that their pharmaceutical companies are even bigger than the supplement. I think it's greater than four times the size. But um, I, I think. Oh, wait the a minute. I think that, you're, you're probably right. I'm, I'm I, I missed, think it's quite a bit bigger. Yeah, I'll go back um, and see if I but, can dig up my numbers here. But yeah. the good news is the supplement industry is growing. Now, I am not a representative of – we are not a trade group. I don't represent supplement companies. I represent the people that need access to their, their, their products. And, and I know a lot of people that own supplement companies that are really good people, good families, family-owned, good quality products. They really care. Um, they're wanting to help people. Mm-hmm. Um, but the good news is they are growing, and they do have more power and friends in Congress because it really is – I mean, our country is run by special interests, and it is a pay-to-play thing. So at least the supplement companies have an ear in Congress. But for the most part, pharmaceutical companies, I mean, they outrank everyone, all of us put together. So that's why it comes down to the individuals. The government is supposed to work for us. They don't. They work for industry. But they can't really be – they can't let people find out. If, you know, enough people are focusing a bright light on them, they have to try to do the right thing because of public perception. So it, it comes down to us. How does Dick Durbin sell himself in Illinois? I mean, here he is trying to take away or corral their ability to, to tend their own health, and yet he keeps getting elected. What's his secret? Well, he works on a lot of other issues, too, yeah. um, obviously, right? Um, and he has a lot of seniority. He's been in Congress for a long, long time. So I can't speak to the individuals who elect him and why they do or don't. Um, but I do know that the thing about members of Congress is that they speak in sound bites. These are little talking points. You know, he just talks about how there's this dangerous issue with supplements. And I think a lot of people don't ask whether or not it's true. And he, he's not asked to provide evidence. So, you know, I think a lot of people might believe what he's saying. And, oh, well, he's trying to protect us. I think that's the belief, right, that the government needs to protect us from all of these dangerous things when the opposite is what's happening, when we give them that power. And people just don't ask questions. Mm-hmm. They don't get involved. Fear is a great motivator. The supplement industry is out to get you, and I am here to protect you. Yeah. You know, they call it snake oil, and they say ridiculous things like, oh, this particular study showed vitamin E could actually make you know, lung or heart problems even worse. Well, they, you know, then they use a synthetic 
form of vitamin E that is toxic instead of a good quality of supplement or the wrong doses. These things are all skewed. They're designed to create a perception, and it's all part of a huge coordinated um, effort, honestly. And again, people just don't dig. Um, they, a lot of it is fear-based. Well, we've got to protect ourselves. We don't want snake oil. Or they'll say, well, this, you know, this particular vitamin didn't extend life. Well, I, is that the end point? I don't even, you know, what does that even mean? Like, you know, we take supplements according to recommendations from our nutritionists or integrative physicians or naturopaths for specific reasons. It's a very individualized thing. So you can't speak in these blanket terms. I have a great snake oil story for you. I was told a story um, by a famous doctor who said that uh, sn the, the term snake oil, of course, is used to denigrate uh, alternative medicines or food supplements. Uh, that guy's selling snake oil. But actually, when the Chinese were brought here to the United States to build the railroad, uh, they brought with them their medicines. And one of their principal medicines was snake oil der derived from sea snakes which was extremely rich in omega fats. And mm. so that's what they used to tend to the needs of their body was snake oil. Now, so, you know, when the uh, Americans looked at this and they saw these people eating snake oil, uh, they, of course, said, what a ridiculous thing to do when you can use morphine, right? <laughs> which is what they were using at the time. So, so... And, and, of course, one of the things we've come to recognize uh, in, latter, in the last few years is the importance of omega fats in our lives. And so when people say they're selling snake oil, I think, well, there was a time when snake oil was a very good thing to have. Right. And the other thing you have to remember is bioindividuality. We're all different. We have different needs, and we have different needs nutritionally at different points in our lives. And from my perspective, bottom line is health freedom. We need to have access to make those choices for ourselves. We need to have access to the information and research so we can do that research. We can do it in collaboration with our medical professionals and make our own choices. The government should not eliminate these things from the marketplace. They're not dangerous. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's all about making sure that people can choose the things that they need. How is it that somebody who represents the um, natural health world has come to, has come to see government as the enemy? <laughs> uh, well, that's what happens when you work in politics for 20 years. Um, I can tell you that for a long time, and my background was in, I initially worked on environment on Capitol Hill, um, you know, for nonprofits. And, um, you know, I didn't want to believe it because I believe in the good of people. Um, but you see the same things happening over and over so many times. And it's, you, I can't deny fact. And that has forced me to change my worldview based on what I am seeing factually. I'm an intelligent person. I can't ignore it just because I'd rather believe in something more beautiful. I mean, this is actually what's happening. So it's it's really just paying attention to the world around me. Do you think it's possible to change the government? Do you think it's possible to convince them that if they let go a little bit, that people will find their own way? 
I, I mean, you have to remember the government is controlled by special interests. So the way that our system is set up, special interests are really the ones creating policies. And we're no different. I mean, we draft legislation that's introduced all the time. We do that to try to create good policies. But members of Congress, they don't, for the most part, they don't draft these bills. They don't even read them. I mean, special interests do this. And Congress is oftentimes run by 20-somethings. These are, you know, people right out of college, staffers. The system is very different than what people honestly believe, um, but it is run by dollars and special interests with, and those with the most money and, you know, their interests. You're talking about big pharma, big ag, and you've got the chemical giants. Um, whether it can be changed, I don't know, because Congress would have to vote to change the entire structure of how things operate in terms of, um, well, a lot of things, I don't want to go into too much detail because it's totally off topic, but it, it requires a radical restructuring. And Congress, you know, you've got to get people to vote for that when the people that are paying to keep them in office are telling them not to. So I, I, I don't know. I, I want to say yes, but I can't say yes. Hmm. Um, our system is very, very corrupt. That it's from somebody who's there for 20 years fighting in the halls, right? Yes. Well, let me ask you this. Um, you've been in, in politics for a long time. You've been fighting the good fight for the environment, for food, for natural health. What do you see happening to our food supplements if they have their way? Well, um, the FDA will finalize their guidance. This will basically require a majority of supplements to go through something similar to a new drug approval process, which many won't be able to afford to do. So you'll have a lot of supplements disappear. And these are the really good companies, the smaller ones that are doing things the right way. They're spending more on their ingredients. I mean, we're going to lose access, period. And then the Durban bill, um, if that passes, it's going to give the FDA greater authority as well as all of the information um, to then kind of speed up this process and eliminate and pull the supplements that are not in compliance. Um, then, um, Durban, that second provision that requires the review and the determination of safety um, by a governmental body and warning labels, that's not in the current language, but that's step two. That'll come up. And then, you know, once you've got warning labels, they're going to say, well, you should just pull them because they're not safe. And they'll say there's no benefit. And um, that's because they won't look at the benefit of a supplement because they'll say, well, you only look at the benefit of something that's proven to be a drug. So they'll perform a sham process and you know one way or another the access to supplements is dramatically reduced and again parallel to this there's enormous censorship going on so information is less and less available it's becoming, being called misinformation which um, in my world that's not true the information that relates to what I'm speaking about is accurate it is peer-reviewed science I mean we're talking about science um, so uh, you know, in limit, limiting access. And, you know, this is all with the backdrop of, you know, we're one of the sickest countries in the world. The chronic illness and level of health, the quality of life of Americans is very low. So these are the very things that they need to stay healthy. Um, and there you go. You know, we're out of time, but uh, we're not out of a way of dealing with this. We t tell our Congress people not to pass Durban. No Durban. And they'll get the message. <laughs> let's call it mandatory product listing mandatory that's really what it's it's a separate rider but just call it save supplements just call it durban supplements and everybody will know gretchen dubow thank you so much for joining us today on the food chain thanks for having me mm -hmm.
You've been listening to the award-winning Food Chain Radio Show with Michael Olson. And if your friends miss the show, tell them to log on the Food Chain page at MetroFarm.com for a listen. Now, go out and find some food with its farmer's face on it and live. Live.